So many times in life, we also come across so many struggles, so many miseries, so many challenges. But one has to understand that that is the time when you will be in the best of your abilities. This is Harinam Anand and welcome to Chapters of My Life podcast. So Chapters of My Life podcast is all about turning a life story into a book format. We interview athletes, entrepreneurs, idealists, but also innovators and giving an insight into their past life from young age till today and maybe future plans. We're covering topics all around entrepreneurship, sport, mindfulness, travel, nutrition, yoga, meditation and much more to find out what leads to the person they are today. I had the pleasure to speak with Harinam Anand, founder of Kirtan Dubai, a community coming together every Friday to mantra chanting. This podcast is not just about Kirtan, peace, fulfillment and loving kindness. It's also about living a simple life and giving back to the community. Harinam once said, Kirtan is a yoga of music, and I couldn't describe it better, for someone new to Kirtans. Therefore, there wasn't a question about how he called his book. In fact, he called it Kirtan for Everyone. And he chose five chapters. What I found most inspiring was listening to his overcoming of setbacks in life, which eventually led him to Kirtan today and the belief and drive to give back to the community. His passion to Kirtan brought him to, among others, the world-famous International Yoga Festival back in March 2018 Spreading peace and giving kindness is on his agenda, and that's also why his next chapter in life called Explosion. In other words, spreading Kirtan to more communities around the world. Long story short, let's start the podcast. I do hope you like it. There we go. Here we are. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for inviting. Thank you so much. Um, thanks so much for coming to my place, actually. It's one of my very first recordings in my studio. Improvised setup <laughs> of the podcast. Um, but I hope it's convenient. I think what yes. we currently do is we're literally having a meditation post position yes. during the podcast. And I know from, that's something what I mentioned before in the intro of the, uh, of the podcast, um, that besides Kirtan, you also practice yoga frequently. So that's something very natural, literally mm -hmm. the sitting position right now, isn't it? Yes. Perfect. Um, so, um, Harinam, I have few questions and in, in this podcast um, as I mentioned before in the intro it's all about turning your life into a book including chapters but also highlighting what you're currently doing it's current Dubai and before I cover before I go into deep into the chapters and talk a little bit more about how your book could look like I want to Um, mention something which I found in the internet about you. Okay. You said once as a kid, I used to love flying kites. We are right now in Dubai. Yes. Is the kite beach one of your favorite places to go? <laughs> Truly speaking, actually, I've uh, 
I've gone past those days and uh, ever since I've moved to Dubai, I've never flown a kite. How come? <laughs> What this, was this... so fascinating for you when you were a kid? Was it the freedom when you saw when you Well, as a kid, you know, in India, to in those days we didn't have iPads, we didn't have video games, so all we had was outdoor games. And one of those, and and back in India, we have a season where we fly kites. Which season? Uh, it's it starts usually. I mean, we start flying kites after the Diwali season. Okay. Diwali festival and during the winter season, and. Uh, There's a day called Sankranti, mm -hmm. which comes usually on January mid, mid of January, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. So that's the festival of kites. I see. So few months before that, all the kids they start flying kites, and uh, unlike uh, outside India, uh, they fly kites with strong uh, ropes or strings, which you know you don't do much. You just fly kites. But yeah. in India. You use threads which are coated with glass. I see. Okay. And then we try to cut other people's kites. So it's like fun, you know. You're and and that's the challenge that and you try to fly the kites and try to maneuver the kite in such a way that you cut the other oh, I never heard other about kites. This. Yeah. So it's Very like a game. It's like a challenge. And unlike. You know, in UAE, I guess it's just you just fly kites. That's it. So there's yeah. not much fun there. Yeah. So you don't see this um, outside of India uh, happening. Yes, outside of India, I don't think this happens. But only in India, people fly kites. Everyone they go on top of their roof. I mean, their house roofs, and they fly kites and they cut other people's kites and then they use another kite, they fly it again, and then you know, so it's more fun. It's, I can imagine it's very yeah. fun. Also, when you create the kites, when you build them, actually, no, they they're, they're very no? easily available. Yeah, then you you buy them literally, and you, you buy just, them. You don't yeah. create. Okay, great. So, um, Harina, I know you for like I just look back three four months only, and one thing, actually, I met you through Kirtan Dubai, yes. and the very first time I've been, uh, I I. I saw you was at the Kirtan Dubai and for me Kirtan was very new it was something I never heard first of all mm -hmm. and I can't even associate something to it uh, is it a dance is it music is it meditation what is it and I remember very well I saw that on social media in one of my yoga studios and I thought why not why not going there you know just see what it is And I remember the first time I went, since that time, it catched my attention. Yeah. More than everything else, because it's not just, I think you can explain it much, much better. But for me, it's a place where I not just find peace within myself, but also I've, I meet like-minded people. Yes. It's like a community you, yeah. you bring together. So... You started Kirtan Dubai. Mm -hmm. How would you define Kirtan? What is the Kirtan for you? Well, actually... Uh, to explain uh, the listeners, what is actually Kirtan? Yeah. And then your definition. 
So kirtan is a form of a musical meditation. And the word kirtan comes from the root word kirti, which is in Sanskrit known as glorification. So traditionally, the Indian sages, the sadhus, the saints would practice kirtan in the form of inspiring one another in their devotional practice. And of course, every kirtan is very unique, very special, because you sing beautiful names of the same Supreme Personality of Godhead. And it comprises of different mantras. And you glorify those personality. So what we have done here in Dubai is very unique. Uh, what, you, what I'm trying to do is just give it back to the whole community, give, spread love and peace, harmony, and create a community of people of, uh, you know, of people who love Kirtan, you know. I found online one statement about you, and mm -hmm. that's really re quite related to what you just said. Um, you've been once asked, how would you like to be remembered? And what you said, as a simple guy, we started Kirtan Dubai. Yeah. Would you say you have achieved this already, that you've been remembered for someone started Kit in Dubai? Or do you want to spread this more to Kit in UAE or more people in, in Dubai itself? Well, um, actually, Kirtan is spreading. It's already there. It's, it's there everywhere in the world. Every city, there is Kirtan going on. It's just that many people don't know about it. And uh, what I'm trying to do is, of course, try to spread the love for Kirtan in UAE. Uh, so I've been doing Kirtans in Abu Dhabi and various yoga studios. And uh, not only this, but uh, I'm also going in the beginning of May to Amman, Jordan, where there's a group of yoga teachers who want to also start Kirtans. So I'm going there to you know, basically begin Kirtan. So that will be like one of my another, you know, projects. Spread, spread it. Spread spread, spread the love for Kirtan. Lovely. You mentioned something online also. Um, I found uh, Kirtan is a yoga of music. Yeah. I found that so easy to understand, so simple. Yes. And actually it connects a lot. It talks about mindfulness. It talks about silence, but it also talks about a community. Mm-hmm. So yoga of music, it's a great combination. Yeah, so actually okay. we have to understand that uh, sound is the source of everything that exists. And the whole creation was made by sound. And there has been many research that has happened in terms of if you play good music or good sounds next to some water, drops of water, the, it was done, I mean, there was a scientist in Japan who did a research where he kept few drops of water under a microscope and he realized that this water 
uh, droplets had different configuration. It was, you know, completely different when it was kept under, you know, uh, when, when good music was played and when there was bad music played to the same drop of water. So there's a different kind of design that came out when, when you see under the microscope. So imagine your whole body is, I mean, we, we, our body is made of 70% water. So if you're constantly engaged in kirtans, which is in, a, in, in its pure form, it's the holiest of all. You know, we are not singing any mundane song, but we are singing the names of God or we are singing... Uh, you know mantras, which in which in fact invokes happiness, peace, joy within everyone's heart. So it 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 yeah. literally gives you an amazing experience, and that's why most of the kirtans people feel uh, so much joy, happiness, and they see that you know there is no ulterior motive. People are so joyful; they are blissful. Ecstatic. I can totally sign that statement, sure, yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's what Kirtan does. Yeah. You know, externally speaking, people may not realize, oh, you know, someone who doesn't, uh, you know, attend the Kirtan or doesn't know or doesn't chant in the Kirtan, they will not understand. But if you consciously engage in chanting and loosen up, set aside all your stress, worries, and just surrender into chanting these mantras in unison with everyone sitting there, then you will experience that bliss. So that's Charity. what happens in Kirtan. Yeah, I can totally agree to that. The very first Kirtan, or the first two or three, you can sense that, that peace within yeah. yourself. And you feel like, not just go to a place, you go to friends. We know for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's really amazing. So when I when I was looking in the last few weeks um, about who I could interview also for this chapters of my life podcast, mm -hmm. I was thinking around and I thought it has to be you. It has to be someone who really inspires me, but also where I want that other people know more about you and what mm -hmm. you believe in and also what you created Curtain Dubai. So And then on the other side, I realized I'm going to this kitten events and I know very little actually about you. So, and that's actually my very first question. Okay. So in, in chapters of my life, it's all about turning your life into chapters, mm -hmm. like transitions. And in the last interviews with the other interviewee, um, some started from the childhood till the present, so from the past to the present, but some actually started from the present to the past so the chapters going backwards when i see your book about you before i open it what do i see on the cover do i see you at kirtan dubai with other people or do i see something completely different what is the picture of the cover Might be a tough question. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a kind of question which I never expected. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you would see me with my harmonium. Okay. 
to in Kirtan with my friends. With your friends. Yeah. What would I, what would be the book title? Okay. The title of the book. Of the title of mm. the book of your life or your current work. What would be something you want to emphasize? When people go and find the book, what would they see on the title? What would be the title? Title would be Kirtaniya Sadahari. Again? Kirtaniya Sadahari. Okay, can you translate what that means? <laughs> it means Kirtan forever. Kirtan forever. Very nice. And Kirtan forever. So literally, it tells more about not just Kirtan, but it tells a little bit more how Kirtan can stay in our society, in the, this fast-paced society where everyone is like rushing, everyone is like, mm -hmm. um, uh, everyone is literally just forgetting what actually living is all about. Mm -hmm. I remember well, actually, Anna, uh, who told me that Kirtan is a part of her life, and she's part of the Kirtan Dubai, and she said, without Kirtan, every Friday, I would lose a part of me. So it is actually an essential part for everyone. Mm -hmm. So when you say Kirtan for everyone, um, it's something essential. It should be, it's, it could be something very essential for everyone to stay. Yeah. Actually, um, in today's day and age, everyone is so busy. They are so stressed. They have anxieties, worries, and and I see that many people, they're not happy. They might be living in such a beautiful place like Dubai. And, but actually, most of them, they see that it's, you know, it's, it's so artificial. They don't find people who genuinely uh, have no ulterior motives, who are genuinely looking for happiness and peace and love. So with Kirtan Dubai, what I'm trying to create is a community where people come together, sing together, chant together, and, you know, people can come share food. And that's what we do. After the Kirtan, we share food with each other. And all we see is people loving each other. And it's a, it's, it's a space where we actually realize that there can be a community which whose foundation is love, kindness, selflessness, compassion, and peace. So that's what everyone is looking for. And that's why Kirtan Dubai is spreading. I think everyone is looking for, but no one, or very few can find it. Very few people are um, able to find it, yeah. yeah. Also within themselves. Yes. And that's something very, something worth mentioning actually nowadays in the rush. Yes. We have every day. Um, so let's imagine I go into the library. Where can I find your book? Where can I find Kirtan for everyone? In which section? Under the specific section is it in the, obviously not in the kids' uh, children's <laughs> section. Is it in the spiritual section? Is it under the meditation section, music? I think section? you'll find it in yoga and meditation. Okay. 
yoga meditation yoga and meditation section yeah. okay so when i open i open your book um and as you know when you open the book you have book publisher but you also have copyright mm -hmm. do you want anything from your life don't let's rephrase it do you want that other people don't copy certain things from your life when we say copyright yeah, yeah. <laughs> so something you have done in life where you're not proud you say or maybe you say to your kids maybe you should not do what i have done no, when, no when it comes to me i prefer everyone copying it <laughs> okay. rather than keeping it as copyright because okay. i have whatever i am doing is not nothing new it's nothing innovative this has been done by previous saints sadhus my own guru my teacher and they have been following this path uh, for many many years and whatever i'm doing is just trying to follow in their footsteps okay just spreading the same message what they have been doing from you know learning from their teachers yeah what about your life so you come from mumbai Mumbai, mm -hmm. India. Um, when was Kirtan part of your life? At what age, roughly? Well, I was, uh, I think, 16 years old. Okay. Back in 1997, 1997. And uh, my college was very close to this ashram, uh, which is in Mumbai, Chopati, called Radha Gopinath Mandir. And, you know, I just happened to visit that temple. And there was a monk who introduced me and he was, you know, sharing, he was asking me a few things. And then I was also curious about, uh, you know, what do they do over there? And then he introduced me and he, and he gave me the book called Bhagavad Gita and I was surprised because I was not sure whether you know I'm supposed to read that book or not <laughs> but he said yeah yeah go ahead you can read the book so every day after college I would go there take the book and read and then slowly slowly I started attending the programs over there started attending Kirtans over there and that's what attracted me you know, was so, first yeah so back in 97 97 so nice yeah. so when when i i've never been in india i would love to go to india and and i now look a little bit closer to the chapters um how would you design the chapters do you say the first chapter is about your childhood do you go from the past to the present or how 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 would be the first chapter look like when i open the book saying kirtan for everyone what mm -hmm. would i see in the first chapter it's something about you personally your childhood how you got raised and or life in india back at that time or about something else yeah actually uh, what would be the first chapter contain the first chapter would contain the way I was raised. Uh, my dad 
has been the most uh, spiritual person that I know. As a kid, I have fond memories of him uh, doing everyday puja to the altar that we had at our home. And every weekend, he would take us to the temple. So that was like ingrained in me, like every weekend you have to go to the temple. And whenever I would visit the temple, the atmosphere, the fragrance, the rituals, uh, the beauty, the architecture would attract me. And that's what inspired me eventually, uh, you know, to get into Kirtans. And I remember my dad would take me to different talks mm-hmm. by different saints, you know, yeah. as an audience. And I, I still remember that I would play with sand. Sand? Yeah. yeah. Just, just play with sand or play with the straws on the mat. And my dad would listen to the talks. Yeah. So as a kid, I have those memories that although I was not paying to the paying attention to the talks, you but I was, I was present. Yeah. You know, my, my soul was hearing it. So eventually when I got into uh, Kirtans and the temple and back in 1997, it was me- very easy for me to take it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually I was also very curious that what's the real purpose of life? You so know. at what age did you ask yourself this question? You say in the first chapter is about your childhood where you raised. Is that something you always so I think kept that, thinking at yeah. a very, very young age? Or? So that was, I think, when I was 12 or 13, just okay. in my early teens. I, was, I mean, me and my friends would go up on the last floor, sit on the terrace and look at the sky, looking at the stars and just wonder that, you know, why are we here? And what will happen to us if we die? Are we going to become the stars? Or are we going to move? You know, are we, or what is life after death? You know, so these questions were always there. And uh, so in India, we have a multicultural environment. Like we have different faiths. We have my friends. Some of my friends were pure Jains. My tuition teacher was a Christian. My Some of my college friends were Muslims. And of course, we had a group of people who were following different uh, paths of Hinduism. So it's, it's very confusing as to which path you want to take it up. But eventually when I uh, came to this ashram, this temple, and I read books and then I realized that, you know, all my, un- all my questions were answered. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, I really like the part when you mentioned you looked up to the sky, the stars, mm-hmm. and you dreamed what could be the next part. You started this in the childhood. Mm-hmm. So the first chapter, when we give the first chapter a name, would you say, so when you say the first chapter is about the childhood, got raised and actually starting imagination, what could be next in life, etc. 
how would you name a chapter, the first chapter? What, what do I see when I open it in the table of in, in the index, table of content? What is the name of the first chapter? <laughs> is it a sentence? Is it a word? What is it? I think it's looking up to the sky. Looking up to the sky. Yeah. Very nice. And have you, so you said you looked up with your friends or in an in even, evening as well. Do you remember a specific scene? Or do you remember when you were young and you went to a specific place and you looked up? Do you remember a specific scene? Or do you go, did you go to a specific place, up to the mountains? Um, actually, when I was a kid, uh, many times we would visit my village, like from where my parents were. And my parents were not from a rich background. You know, they, they had simple houses, straw huts, in fact. And in villages, they would sleep outside. And we would sleep on, uh, you know, just, just one couch kind of a thing where you just sleep or you put some mats on the floor and you just lie down. Yeah. And... So the village life is very simple and there are no lights. Mm -hmm. So once it gets dark, everyone sleeps. You know, you mm -hmm. just have a few lamps here and there. So I remember looking at the stars in those days. And, and of course, when I uh, would come back from the vacation, I, me and my friends would go up on the terrace of the building. And sometimes look up to the stars and just wonder and keep talking. Nice. Yeah. It sounds so. very basic, but very simple, but very deep as well. Yeah. To be honest, something which we forgot nowadays. Yeah, so fortunately for us, like for where I lived was a place which was uh, not so bright in the evenings. You know, like Dubai is very bright. With the, with there's, light there's, pollution. there's so much yeah. of light pollution. Exactly. But the place where I lived, I mean, it was on the cliff. I mean, I lived in a place called Malabar Hills. So we were on the edge of the Malabar Hills and there was sea on the three sides. And our building was one of those last buildings on the cliff. Mm -hmm. So naturally we had that height and, you know, to not get, you know, disturbed by the lights yes. and noise. Yeah. So we kind of uh, enjoyed every evening after dinner, just friends hanging out, walking on the streets and just talking in general. Yeah. You mentioned something um, once you said, I would love to see um, them together in the World Government Summit to discuss the topic on how to empower youth to build great nations. Yeah. So when I saw this uh, during my research, I realized that you are someone who really want to empower young people to mm -hmm. make a change in the society. Yeah. And you in, in particular mentioned also the World Government Summit yeah. uh, here and why. 
What do you see right now is missing when it comes to empowering young people? Is it, yeah, giving them? Actually, what I feel is the whole education system is teaching us on how to exploit the world, how to exploit Mother Nature, how to exploit uh, people, how to exploit the resources. But what we need to do, or the government has to start implementing, is to how to empower the youth to inculcate moral values, mm-hmm. how to inculcate uh, spiritual values, how to imbibe cultures like respect, compassion, selflessness. These are things which are to be taught from childhood uh, till a person graduates. Mm-hmm. It's so, not something that you teach only when a child is in nursery and the initial part of his school, because that's what happens. They teach all these things during the initial days, and then slowly, slowly they start teaching things, how to exploit, how to do this, how to do that. But they forget that even the children, you know, when they grow up, they realize, oh, I, you know, the world is not so rosy as they show or as they teach us when we are kids. When you grow up, you see people are cheating each other. Yeah. You know, people are being selfish. Yeah. They don't know how to respect women. You know, they don't know how to take care of women. So that's what is happening. I, in, in, the, in the last couple of years, I worked, um, I did some short films mm-hmm. and as a filmmaker and not good films, just <laughs> short films. And, and I was in a film school. And one thing I won't forget till today, and actually I keep focusing on this, I love working with young people. I love working with young people, mm-hmm. if it's through what I'm currently doing with entrepreneurship or is it also for filmmaking. Why? Because these young, young people in general, they still believe in something. Mm-hmm. They still dream in something. Yes, the idea might not be realistic, mm-hmm. and we adults might know more that this might not be realistic, but they still believe in it. Until they come to an age where they've been told it's impossible, mm-hmm. or it's not been told, and then they give up on certain things. But with young people, they still believe in things, which we as adults, yes, of course, we have to be more realistic, but we, we give up hope very quickly and don't dream big because mm-hmm. we always stay, you know, uh, we're always trying to be realistic. So working with young people, they still believe in change. They still believe in something bigger. And you can feel this energy. I don't know if you have this also yeah. in the past, you can feel this energy of change. And this is something what I think the adults can learn a lot from the young people as well. Mm-hmm. Young people should be more involved into the processes of making change in society. Yeah. Because they have still, they believe in it. Even if it might be naive, etc., but they still believe. Yeah. And this is very important nationwide, in my opinion. Yeah. You have to understand that young people have immense energy. A good leader 
is the one who taps that energy and utilizes it in the right place. What is happening is that young people's energy is being used for all bad habits. They have been bombarded. All these companies who are, you know, into addictions, they are targeting only the young people because they know that if they get addicted to it now, they'll be addicted, they'll be their customer for the life. Mm -hmm. So including cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, or name it. You know, so... So our leaders have to take decisions into, you know, implementing policies and procedures to help the youth, uh, to empower them, to take up initiatives on how to have a sustainable life mm-hmm. or how to help others. There are so many people who need help. There are so many people who need guidance. So these are things which has to be, you know, encouraged by the government, by the leaders of the society. Yeah. So when I go back to the book now, um, I love the topic about working with children and seeing that empowerment yes. to them. It's totally my topic as well. Also the work I'm doing right now with young people and students, empower them, actually giving young people, young adults, soft skills. Mm. So they can make a change in the future if it's in social entrepreneurship for example but when i go back to the book now and i've read the first chapter on your childhood mm-hmm. would you say like till it's age what till what age you would say it last that first chapter i think till 15. 15 so teenager mm-hmm. age already teenage. Yeah. so what would be then the, the second chapter is it all about the teenage age or how would what would be in the second chapter? What could I read in the second chapter? I think the second chapter is about learning. Okay. So is that really that's the, that's the time when I got introduced to kirtans and started learning. I was doing kirtans here and there. I was engaged in service. I was seeing my seniors doing selfless service. I was engaged in a community which was helping uh, orphans. I was I was part of a community which was feeding poor people. I was, you know, I was with all these wonderful people. So I learned. Um, the true meaning of life during this phase, mm-hmm. uh, during my college days. So many people, they go to college, they bunk their class, and they go for movies, they go mm-hmm. for different things. And I would bunk my class and go to the temple <laughs> to do service. Yeah. So they had an orphanage, so I would help the kids. Back in those days, they didn't have a DVD player, so I bought a DVD player for them so that they can watch Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> so so these were the kind of services I would do. And uh, and yeah, in general, I, that, that was my learning phase. So it's also all about giving 
back to the community. Giving back to the community. Yeah. Interesting. So you mentioned learning. Is that also the title? The second chapter? Learning from life. Learning from life. Okay. Yes. Would you recommend each parent out there to, to give their teenagers the opportunity to give back to the community? Or to, to, yeah, to, to bring them actually to the, to the understanding that you should give back. Is that something you would recommend to all parents? Not just here in the UAE or around the world. Well, actually, this is one thing which, uh, which I would like to you know, probably suggest to the governments that, that they should implement a practice in the schools as one of the important subjects in every academic year that all the children throughout their school, throughout their college, should be given a task of going and helping poor people, old people, orphanages, hospitals, old age homes, just go and do service. Because that's what will make them realize that how fortunate they are mm -hmm. and how They should give back to the society. And many take what they have already as granted. Yes. Whereas others fight for their entire life for what other people take very easily for granted. Yeah. And they're not even satisfied with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes down to the basic life. Sometimes the basic life is a life where makes happiness just happen. Mm -hmm. Happiness is actually living with basics. But being satisfied with what you have without trying to get more and more and more. Mm. I think this is also very important when giving back to the community. Actually giving back, you're not buying something, you're yes. not receiving something, you're giving it away, you're giving love away, you're giving time away. And I think time is actually the most precious part we all have limited, in a limited mm. resource. That's very, very important. So, when we, when we see the first and second chapter, and you said the second chapter is about learning. From life. From life. Um, what could be the next chapter then? Is that some, is that you were still, at that time you were still in, in, uh, in India. In India. India, yeah. So, in your early 20s, Tell me a little bit more about your early 20s. What was, um, how did you experience your early 20s in India? Do During you have a my early 20s, in yes, mind or, I, um, I graduated from college and I was looking for a job. And I got a job where I worked as uh, a customer service professional. Mm -hmm. In a call center. Okay. Sounds actually very difficult in the beginning with call centers, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so back in those days, call centers were a new thing in, the, in India. And uh, fortunately for me, I was one of those first few people who joined in that industry. And uh, I got promotion every year. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually I ended up becoming a workforce planning manager. 
and where i would plan the rosters plan the plan the whole uh you know inflow of calls and how people can take breaks and things like that and uh, also it was a time when i was trying to balance my mm-hmm. work and my spirituality uh, okay um do you did you so many times i would do night shifts mm-hmm. and in fact you know call center was more like a night shift job because uh, we were we were doing customer service for dell for earthlink uh for microsoft for aol back in those days so these were all us customers mm-hmm. so you know we had to do night shift to help people back in the us <clears throat> so in the beginning it was difficult of course to stay awake in the night and then sleep in the daytime but somehow i tried to manage my spirituality i every weekend i would do kirtans i would attend programs and there were days when i would not sleep for almost 30 hours 36 hours yeah, so right after my job i would go for a program and the whole day i would stay awake without sleeping and then in the night you know i would sleep i would i always said my people can be awake for such a but, long time but that was those days when i was <laughs> young <laughs> now it's not possible <laughs> yeah. so you said you were a customer service for like microsoft for the it companies actually in the, in the us uh, yeah. etc so that was a lot i assume a lot it related that something you were interested as well and you know, that age is or something like technology and was in there well back in those days i was i was i had joined some computer courses here and there and i was good in computers i would assemble my own computer okay so i had kind of a knowledge of you know what goes where and how to explain people and so when i got this job offer i took it up and i enjoyed Are you still interested in technology, computer? Are you? Yes, I I love I love IT stuff. I I'm I mean I love electronics. I love recording, editing. Yeah. So that's I think what I love to do. I I mentioned that to one of my colleagues a couple of days ago. Um people who grew up in a time where there was no mobile phone, there was no computer. They appreciate the time where there were physical meetings mm-hmm. and they experienced the transition and i re- remember very well where i experienced the time where the computers came all of a sudden and the mobile phones and but i can still see the time before before this technology um came and i can see the disadvantages but also the advantages of both sides So that's very interesting as well when you, when you actually grow up in that time and I don't know if you see that the same way that you actually yeah. see the, the not everything that technology um can bring benefits to us. I don't know if you see that similar way. Well actually uh, I think both you and me have grown up at a time where we have seen everything. Like we have seen the times where there were no phones, there were hardly any televisions. Uh, I mean I I remember my when I was really young I think maybe I think when I was 
till my teenage life and we never had a tv at our home and then we got the tv and then there was a time when you know uh, getting a telephone line a landline was like getting a car like it was so difficult back in india and and then of course the pager came and then slowly slowly immediately after the pager there was uh, mobile phones which was so expensive back in those days yeah. to make one call i remember also that per minute you pay yeah. a fortune actually yeah so we've seen everything and now in today's generation people the kids are growing with mobile phones you know so there's a huge shift on um you know in terms of technology and uh, even computers they were new mm-hmm. you know we we've, we've seen it all we've seen the age where people were using papers people were meeting and and then there came a time when they were video calls you know conference calls so the the culture where i grew up the philosophy that i learned is that every single thing can be used in the service of the lord mm-hmm. this is called yukta vairagya vairagya means detachment and anyone who is taking up a spiritual path generally they are taught that you should detach yourself from everything but true detachment is when we use everything in the service of humanity in the service of the lord that is true detachment instead of detaching yourself from the modern technology or the modern inventions we should use those to spread love to spread compassion mm-hmm. so imagine if i was an ambassador of love kindness compassion but i don't want to use the modern technology i would never be able to do that mm-hmm. so the intelligence is to use this to spread love compassion kindness to everyone i think this is especially when you do this this is for many one not for many that might be a shock to receive love as well kindness because we're always living in an environment where everything is very competitive mm-hmm. and kindness is always as often it's been seen as a way that giving something is indirect asked for something in return but i think kindness should be unconditional just giving kindness without something to expect back yes true kindness is an example so what would it be called in third chapter what would it be so you say that um the second is learning from life the third one is balancing your life balancing your life yeah because that's what i learned during that phase of my life trying to balance my work and my spirituality and at the same time you know learning so this course in the shop have you done um, have you did you spend there 
long time, many years. Did you? Yeah, so I was there for almost six years. Six, oh, that's a long time. Yeah. Very long time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in so that profession. Early, uh, mid-20s. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and yeah, then I realized that I need to change because night shifts were really not helping my health. Yeah. And then I was looking for a change. And then I got an offer with IBM as a workforce planning manager. But it was in a different city, a city called Pune. And so I worked there for six months, but I wanted to come back to Bombay, so I moved back. And what was the distance? Or what is the distance? I think three hours drive oh. from Mumbai. And uh, so, I, of course, I was not happy staying away from Mumbai. So I looked for a job back in Bombay. And I got a job as an HR manager because mm-hmm. they wanted someone who is good in numbers and who knows how to plan recruitments and but also knows plan. about human, yes. human beings, and, people, and yeah, people skills actually. People skills, yeah. yeah. So I was good at it and they hired me. So I was working in ICICI Prudential, which is a life insurance company. And I worked there as an HR manager uh, in the corporate office. A corporate office. Yeah. It's for me always like a, a word which is corporate world. Corporate world. I can't see you actually working in a corporate environment. A yeah. corporate is that is that something you had to got used to in when you you know, in your in your twenties? Or was it something easy to adapt for you? Well, everyone has to do their own uh Dharma. Mm-hmm. In fact, to run away from what we are meant to do is is uh, not the right thing to do. So, even though one has to be kind, compassionate, loving, but at the same time they have to do their duty. Mm-hmm. And they have to maintain themselves, they have to maintain their family. So in order to do that, you have to do what is right for that particular job to be done. So I might be hard on my subordinates, uh, but if it is for the higher purpose of ensuring that we meet the requirements of the company and the organization, then it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very important actually yeah. nowadays. Many people just yeah. see are very selfish, they're just thinking about themselves. Not yeah. Actually, of the organization's higher goal to work as a team. Yeah. To work together, to cooperate. And it's not that when you work in corporate life, you know, you can't live a, you know, non challenging life. It is challenging, but still, when you deal with people, you're still compassionate, you're kind, you help others, you help your colleagues, you don't try to pull them down, you always appreciate them, you know, so these are techniques that you can still use Mm -hmm. and make your office a place where you can promote love, kindness, happiness, joy. Because these are the people 
with whom we spend our whole day exactly practically more than 50% of time we spend with them so even in my current office i have created an environment where we all sit together for breakfast eat lunch together we talk we joke so it's become a place where we love to go to office mm-hmm. rather than being a place where we try to pull each other down yeah so and of course i have faced challenges in offices also where people try to pull you down but then you sh- blow them away with love and i think then that they are shocked then they, are they shocked. don't expect that they don't expect yeah, that they expect us to you know fight react back. exactly they react but then they but you just blow them away with love yeah if they want something just give it to them yeah and they they don't expect that but when you do they are surprised they are shocked it could be also the case that they are not having giving love or mm. kindness in the past so they don't yeah. know this in the, in the past but you mentioned something very interesting that going to work is not a place to tick off boxes or literally just to do the work but actually to go to a place where you like to go mm-hmm. to like a family yeah to spend time and to I would add also is to know your colleagues as well because you're t- working with human beings in the end of the day yeah you should know each other and supporting each other i think this is very important um what i currently work is it's literally a kind of a family you're working at mm-hmm. and that's um besides of course you have work stress at some point with deadlines sometimes but in the end of the day you do it as a team as a family team yeah ups and downs and you back each other and that's very very important um which is rare nowadays yeah yeah um i had uh last week i had uh, miriam pusher in the interview she's the uh director and curator of tedx in london mm-hmm. and i've worked with her a couple of years ago and for the last couple of years ago and she's a person who is creating this tedx team environment where everyone feels like being part everyone feels like everyone focus on the same goal but feel comfortable in that environment everyone likes to go to that meeting team meetings with aesthetics and she kept emphasizing that this is also very rare nowadays but so important to create a culture where people don't need to find a work life balance necessarily mm-hmm. to differentiate work and life to actually see work as also as part of the life because as yeah. you said like it's you spent more than 8 hours yeah. together it's very important so balancing your life chapter 3 something which i forgot to ask you and i'm actually kept thinking about this the last chapter when you mentioned about it you know when you open your book um and after the first chapters see the first chapters they sometimes as thank you page who would you like to thank from the first chapter no in general in general so before i go into the next uh, chapter 4 mm-hmm. I'm very keen to know who would you like to thank in general when you write this book uh, in the chapters who would you like to thank so far in your life well, actually I would like to thank uh, of course my parents who went through the struggle to bring me up you know in my life 
and uh, was it such a struggle <laughs> no actually it was because they yeah. i've seen them I and mean, from where we come from my dad was yeah. quite poor yeah that's uh, you know and mm. and he and my mom they really struggled hard to ensure that we went to a good school mm. and 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 i have two elder sisters so we were yeah. three of us and and the place where i come from we had a very very small house mm. and the way they brought us up is is something that you know they could have actually my dad would have earned the money and kept us in in my village you know? yeah but yeah. he kept us with him throughout his life and because i see that a lot happening here in dubai people leave their family their wife and kids in india and they mm. work hard here so my parents and of course my uh spiritual master radhanath swami mm-hmm. uh he is the one who actually inspired me a lot in terms of from his books from his example from his teachings and his guru uh shri prabhupad who spread the message of kirtan all over the world you know so these are the three main people whom i would like to thank right yeah um when i go to the first chapter when at what age would the first chapter be and the end late 20s or was there like life transition in the yeah, 20s i think it was mid mid 20s mid 20s what what happened there there's something in particular happened after the war or um what would be in the first chapter well um of course i was trying to balance my life uh, in call center and that's a time when i realized that life was struggle mm-hmm. because i was going against the traffic and i used to go by the metro railway and it so happened that uh, i think it was 11th june or july 2006 when there was a series of 12 or 13 bomb blasts mm-hmm. and i was in one of those trains and i saw death very close to me because i was in the next compartment where there was a bomb blast and and there were thousands of people when this happened and i had two choices either to help or to run away and till then whenever i would visit any hospital i would feel dizzy and i would feel like i was fainting because i don't like the smell i don't like to see blood i don't like to be there but here there was an incident which was so ghastly that you could see everything and i decided to help so i saw people who were struggling to survive and i was trying to pull them out and take them to the hospital so that kind of changed my life i mean i was 
I realized that life is like a drop of water mm-hmm. on a lotus petal. You know, the lotus petal is so slippery, it is so waxy. Yes. That the moment the drop falls on the petal, it just slips down. Mm-hmm. So life is like that. You never know when we are going to die. And the only thing that we can do is just always chant the holy names. And I found so much shelter in chanting these names. So that was one of the most, you know, I would say, life-changing experience that I had. And which really made me realize that, you know, indeed life is, you know, not permanent. Yeah, Yeah, and can end anytime. I think many of us, we think we live forever mm-hmm. until the point we realized it's too late. Yes. And then we forget to thank people mm. or we forget to actually follow what we really want. That's very important. Mm. Um, it's a true life-changing tra- transition, turning point, actually, in your life. Yeah. So how would you name this chapter? Mm. I think it is I would would name it as taking shelter taking shelter yeah so from this chapter onwards um what happened then in your life? So, well, I became more focused in Kirtans mm-hmm. and uh, I became more committed. Every program that I would organize, there were times when I was just alone trying to lift all my instruments, my sound system, the mics, the stands, the speakers. Uh, so music was an expression of life for yes. you, literally. And this was yeah. something which I wanted to give back to the society. I wanted, and I know everyone loves music. There's no one in this world who who can say that no, they don't like music. Mm-hmm. Every single living entity, or human at least, loves music. Mm-hmm. And I just decided that this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give back the society something which everyone loves in the form of Kirtan. So you were at that time still in Mumbai? In Mumbai. Mumbai, Mumbai. And at what age did you move to to, to, uh, to Dubai? So I was 28. This was in uh, 2010 mm-hmm. when I got married to Anuradha, my wife. And so happened that uh, my wife is born and brought up here in Dubai. And 
so they had some business issues so i decided to quit my job at icici prudential my corporate life and i moved here to take care of their logistics company so the first few years of course i went through the struggle of trying to maintain that company trying to mm-hmm. you know streamline it and everything and then once it was done then i started looking for a job and i i'm again back to my corporate life <laughs> yeah how was the time for you when you moved to dubai you mentioned about you know the struggle also with getting back on track bringing them back on track the company yeah. how was life here for you in dubai with the stress at work and the was first well actually truly speaking i felt as if i took a axe and cut <laughs> both my legs not oh, one <laughs> okay my god it must be a very painful experience huh? yeah. <laughs> okay. so i've gone through a lot yeah okay because i had a nice job so very close to my home weekends were off no one would disturb me even after on on a, even during the weekday after office it was like the best job you can ask for yeah uh back in india and i was i was the youngest manager with the highest salary mm-hmm. so i was you know in terms of everything a dream job and i left that and i moved to dubai and i come here and i was dealing with lawyers i was dealing with police i was dealing with you know all these people trying to bring back business on track mm mm-hmm. trying to streamline so many things and i was not in a company which is professional it is a logistics company so you deal with truck drivers you deal with yes you know warehouses you know yeah. so i was really thinking that what have i done to my career <laughs> what have i done to myself what have and i done to career, myself yeah. yeah and then somehow things were getting better and then got streamlined and then i thought okay let me start some my own business mm-hmm. so i was thinking that but then i thought i was really frustrated because things were not working out and then i decided to move back to bombay mm-hmm. and that's when one of my very close friend her name is vishakha she kind of told her husband that hey look we need to help her in um you know so that he stays back and he's the one who's you know doing kirtans here and everything so he said okay i'll speak to her in um and my friend vishal he spoke to me vishakha's husband and he said okay let's open a restaurant so i said okay because i know many people and you know some of my friends are cook and mm-hmm. chef and everything So I said okay let's do it. So we'll open a vegan restaurant, a vegetarian pure vegetarian vegan restaurant. So coincidentally as I was coming to your home in business bay mm-hmm. it just reminded me of my time when I was is that that working. one vegan restaurant down the road here? Is it that um opposite of um executive tour? No, no oh, actually. That so that was uh in Burlington Tower. Okay. this below burlington tower we took up place and uh you know kind of a juice bar and a cafe and uh so it so happened that as we were 
doing the construction and the interiors of the cafe. My friend Vishal and Vishaka and their beautiful young daughter, 10-year-old daughter, they went for vacation to U.S. And unfortunately, they met with an accident. And my friend Vishaka, she died. Vishal was in coma. And the daughter was safe, but, you know, I was in a very difficult situation. And that was the most difficult part of my life. Mm-hmm. Like that, I mean, those were the days when I literally thought that a rug was pulled out under my legs, you know, like, as soon as I got the news that, you know, they met with an accident. and Because here I am in a project which is half done mm-hmm. and both these people are not there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So of course then all I had again was to take shelter of Kirtans. Mm-hmm. So while this was going on, I had no clue what's going to happen next. Still every Friday Kirtans were going on. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing Kirtans, no one knew what I was going through in life. Mm-hmm. And all I was doing was just taking shelter of the Holy Name. And that kind of made me realize that just like what I'm going through, and I'm still doing Kirtan, there are so many people in Dubai who might be going through really bad times in their life. And most of them, they don't know where to go. Most of them, they don't know people who could make them feel good. Most of them, they don't realize like there is uh, something beyond all these miseries. They think that all these anxieties, worries, miseries in their life, that's, there's nothing beyond this. They don't see a ray of hope. And I felt that the need for Kirtan to be spread more and more is urgent. Mm-hmm. So I, back in those days, I used to do Kirtans once a month. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to increase the frequency. And in those days, if no yoga studio was inviting me, I would do it in my home. Mm-hmm. So I started inviting people to my home for Kirtans. And uh, my wife Anuradha would cook. And it was that's how we developed this community. Then slowly mm-hmm. people started coming and they started realizing that I was just doing a selfless act of just inviting people home, doing kirtans, feeding them, and just creating a community of love, peace, kindness, and happiness. And that, at the end of the day, is the simplicity itself. Simplicity itself, yeah. And without yeah. charging, without ulterior exactly. motives, you know, like, you know, mm. completely free. Yeah. And that's what attracted many people to stay yeah. together. So, if talked a little bit about, about the fourth chapter. The fifth chapter, you talk, uh, mentioned that a little bit now. Um, is that message you received in the restaurant here? And so, would you say the fifth chapter is? the last chapter or is it 
So there's another chapter in between. Actually, fifth chapter is the beginning of the whole journey. Okay. Now, I would name it the beginning. The beginning. Okay, the beginning. That's when Kirtan Dubai really, you know, took off. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that was the time when I went through a lot of struggle. Mm-hmm. And that was the time when I gave my whole energy into Kirtans. I took shelter of Kirtans. Mm-hmm. So many times in life, we also come across so many struggles, so many miseries, so many challenges. But one has to understand that that is the time when you will be in the best of your abilities. Yeah. And I felt that. Like I was trying to manage so many things. Mm. Not only physical stress, but mental stress of how I'm going to take care of this cafe. Mm. Of course, eventually we had to shut it down because of all the complications, because the trade license was on my friend's name who died and you know so many things mm. didn't work out but still you know that whole struggle of you know trying to overcome uh, made me strong mm. it made me strong yeah honestly speaking i wish i could still see the restaurant nowadays because i i turned um vegan a couple of months ago actually mm-hmm. six months ago i don't know if you're you know, okay, seven, no. seven, eight months ago, I became vegan. Mm-hmm. I was vegetarian for like 22 years, mm. vegetarian. And then I became vegan a couple of months ago. And finding a place for vegans, obviously, in Dubai is a bit of a challenge, to be honest, mm-hmm. than in other countries. But let's say you don't have necessarily a lot of choice, but you have places to go. Mm-hmm. We know you find other people who also have whatever reason that they can vegan, but it's selective. But the, the the choices are the places you go for, let's say, vegan restaurants, etc. There are places where you feel comfortable going to. And I, particularly, when I turn, make the transition, I found it relatively tough to find places where you find vegan food and not go to a normal restaurant place. can you please just remove this, this, and just mm-hmm. get a side salad. So I wished I would still see the restaurant, to be honest, because I would be a bad <laughs> <a little bit laughs> customer. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find a way to survive here in Dubai, not just on, on the yeah. side, but also nutrition side. Um, but yeah, I think vegan is something itself already, a way to not minimize yourself, but go back to the basics. Yeah. And to see what is actually essential in your life. And to be honest, if you can balance that very well with your nutrition, you can live very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I became, one of the biggest challenges for me was to find a replacement for cheese mm. and milk. And I did not even know there's almond milk or rice milk. I yeah. was like so not educated in this. But when you know, you can replace that easily. Mm-hmm. And I think we just need to know what are the replacements and then we can actually easily make the adoption if your body adjusts to that and with my sport and all triathlons I'm doing actually it gave me more power it's Mm. not actually giving me uh, something negative it gave me way more power to be honest and that's something very interesting I didn't expect before and I think many people hesitate 
because they think, you know, how can you survive or where do you get your proteins? No, yeah. actually you get, can replace it with others. Um, uh, not necessarily supplements, with other like fruits, vegetables, but it's energy. That's true. You can get a lot of energy there. Yeah. So you're also vegan. I'm a vegetarian. A vegetarian, okay. Uh, you know, Indians, for, for an Indian to become a vegan is, is very difficult. Not because okay. we have, I mean, we don't know, yeah. uh, you know, how, where to get food or where to cook or what to do, but because all our sweets has milk. Yes. You know, everything <laughs> has milk. In the end of the day. Our, our, the and, you know, our, most of our food has ghee, which is clarified butter. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of difficult to become vegan, vegan. and. By culture, we actually respect the cow. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, you know, people misuse the cow. They do various sort of things to, you know, actually harm the cow and then extract milk out of her. That's what spoils the whole culture of milk and then eventually spoils the health of people. But milk in general if it is sourced from a genuine um, non-violent cow, I mean, the cow which has been treated naturally, organic, organically, then milk in general is very, very, it's a medicine. Mm -hmm. And Ayurveda, it is used as medicine. You know, so milk drops can be put in your eyes mm -hmm. to cure your eye problem. You know, so there are so many benefits. But, because the milk is not sourced properly, yeah. it becomes that's a problem. Nowadays it's yeah. Yeah. So that's why vegan, becoming a vegan is a better idea. Yeah, in the world yeah. in particular. Um, coming slowly to the end, and one thing I'm really keen to know is what would be your next chapters, actually? You say the beginning is like chapter five, which mm -hmm. I assume is still today. Scared in Dubai and yes. building that community, and you had that three-year anniversary a couple of yes. months ago. Yes. So three years already. What would be the next chapter be in this book? Next chapter would be, uh, I think, the explosion. Explosion. Yeah. Of kitten. Of kittens. Kittens. Okay. Um, because I, I feel that especially from this year. Ever since my third son is born, Devadev, I see that a lot of people have been coming forward to help me mm -hmm. spread Kirtan. There was a interview done by the Friday magazine. There was invitation for me to give a talk in International Yoga Festival in Rishikesh. There was invitation to launch Kirtan Mumbai, you know, officially. I'm going next month to Kirtan, uh, to Aman, Jordan, to launch Kirtan Aman. Mm. Uh, there's one more, I mean, the yoga studios in Bahrain, they have invited me to do Kirtan in Bahrain. And there is a scope of uh, creating a community of Kirtans in, in Bali as well. So I feel that you know, I feel the need of just quitting my job and dedicating my <laughs> life to spread Kirtan and spread this knowledge of 
love and kindness so cross borders literally spreading yeah. kitten across yeah. borders yeah you would you call it also explosion yes the next chapter next chapter is explosion that's explosion. like it's, it's going to spread whether we believe it or not but kirtan is going to spread already there are so many kirtan communities in mm. london vancouver toronto sydney moscow so we have so i'm in touch with all of them now Mm-hmm. So we have all made a group called Kirtan Globe. Interesting. Yeah. Is that a, a Facebook group or is it? No, it's uh, a WhatsApp group. WhatsApp group. Okay. Where we are coordinating and sharing ideas on how to spread Kirtan. Interesting. Yeah. So, so we already have Kirtan London, Kirtan Vancouver, Toronto, Chicago, New York, uh, Moscow, Sydney, uh, Brisbane. So I think it's growing. Dubai. Yeah. I think so. it's just um, where it all starts with the first, you know, series of events and then spreading it step by yeah. step, but not giving up halfway through. And I think this is often the case when you want to start, not necessarily a movement, but when you spread something to yeah. other people, it takes time. Yeah. But eventually you will get to the point where more and more people have heard about it. Mm-hmm. They might not fall in love with it, but they have, you know, heard about it and they have attended. Yes. And this is very important yeah. in the end of the day. I've seen that. I mean, there's so many people who have, I think there might be more than 1,500 people who have attended Kirtans in mm. the last three years. And not many of them are become regulars, but at least they have appreciated the Kirtan. They have had nice food with us. They have danced with us in Kirtans. And they have good memories of kirtan yes and i'm sure and i'm 100% sure that when they go through difficult times they will fall back and take shelter of kirtan mm. and i'm 100% sure about it no amazing so the last chapter is explosion um in each book we often actually you see references when i talk about references i'm always keen to tell others who listen right now or tell them where they can more find about you or about kitchen in general so where can people find more about you or what you currently do um Online, I mean, online or on social media. Where can people find you? Um, they can look for me on my Facebook page, Kirtan Dubai. And if anyone wants to learn more about uh, the philosophy behind Kirtans, I would suggest them to read uh, the book written by my spiritual master, my teacher. His name is Radhanath Swami. And his book is The Journey Home. Um, he recently launched his new book called The Journey Within, which is New York Times bestseller. And uh, these are the two books which uh, has really inspired millions of people. And, yeah. That's where they actually 
learn way more. Also the they will learn more about the kit and philosophy. And yeah. philosophy yeah. I just in the end, I um, I found something very interesting during the research, and I found it so beautiful to read. I saw in one of the interviews you gave, um, they or you mentioned that that every Friday, the first half of the day till lunch time, spend time with your kids mm-hmm. entirely, nothing else, just nothing the kids. Else. At the second half of the day, you practice for kitten. And then actually in the evening on Friday, you're going for kid. Mm-hmm. I found it very fascinating that you, not just that you practice kitten and you have a focus on, you know, improving it, etc. ahead of the evening when you um, conduct kitten, but also that you split daily routine not chapters or maybe in parts as well you hmm. know the first half of the day is entirely for the kids and that's so rare to be honest I, I i i never heard that from other people would say i spend the first part of a specific day most of the time and try for my kids hmm. you know usually you heard i i spend a little bit there sometimes when i come back over weekend etc but you said this is the time only for the kids. Yeah. What my my question to you is: What did you learn from your kids? You know, well, as adults, you're trying to teach kids. What did you learn from your kids? You have three kids. Um, yeah. So I have uh, my eldest son is seven years old. My second son is five and a half. And my youngest son is just you know, four months old, almost. And what I've seen is, or what I've learned from them is that that they are actually learning from me. That's what I've learned from them. Whatever I do, they try to see and imitate me. So, my eldest son, Damodar, he wants to, you know, basically try to imitate whatever I do. And even my second son, Sridhar. So they love when I do Kirtan and sometimes Damodar would come and sit next to me and do Kirtan and sing with me. And same as Sridhar. So I sometimes sit together and play and we sit together and sing some Kirtan together. And Sometimes we are just playing games on iPad, you know, so that's how I spend time with them. Or sometimes I take them to the beach in the morning. So it's very important that we spend some time with the next generation, with the kids, because they are the future. If I have to make Kirtan Dubai, uh, if I have to spread Kirtan Dubai, then I have to ensure that I you know, continue this uh, beautiful tradition, this beautiful community, with the help of my three boys. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a perfect ending yeah. of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, Nam. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. I learned a lot from you, actually. <laughs> and that actually proved that I, even if I, you know, I assume... I might know 
some parts from people, never know them until you spend time with them. That's true. And dig a little bit deeper. Thank you so much. And um, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you I for know. inviting me to your beautiful home. And it's my pleasure to be here and share whatever little I know. Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So here we are. I do hope you liked Harinam's podcast, which was all about mindfulness, peace, loving kindness, and of course, kittens. Please do leave some comments. Who else do you want to hear? Who else? Life story transformed into book chapters. Please leave some comments. You can find me on social media at by Daniel Ludwig. You can also find Chapters of My Life podcast on iTunes. Just look for Chapters of My Life podcast. And I'm pretty sure you're going to find it directly. Till then, never give up, always look up. <laughs>